Hello and welcome to the MSL Consultant Podcast. I'm your host and founder of MSL Consultant, Aoife O'Dwyer. Today in the podcast, I interview Sasha, who's a former medical affairs manager and now is a patient journey partner. A patient journey partner is a relatively new job within pharma, but I predict there will be a lot more of these types of roles in the future as medical affairs changes a little bit. Sasha takes us step by step through his method for preparing for KOL meetings to ensure success. So if you are struggling with preparing for KOL meetings or you want to know how to effectively do pre-call planning for some important upcoming KOL meetings, listen to this episode. And Sasha also includes a brilliant question that he uses in his meetings to get useful insights from his KOLs. As with all of my guests, Sasha's opinions are his own and not those of his employer. If you're interested in more advice related to MSL excellence, join over 3,000 other medical affairs professionals and sign up to my free newsletter linked in the show notes. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Sasha, and welcome to the MSL Consultant Podcast. Hello, uh, Aoife. Uh, Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. So before we kick off on our topic today, can you introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, sure I can. I'm actually, I'm a patient journey partner at uh, Roche. Before that, um, I was working in the clinical trial department, and then later I shifted to the medical affairs department, where I was first an MSL. Later, I transitioned as well to a medical affairs role, medical manager, it is called, um, in our affiliate. And last year, I no, two years ago already, time flies quickly, uh, two years ago, I transitioned to to the new role of patient journey partner. Brilliant. And for those people listening, could you give an explanation of what a patient journey partner is? Because I know it's a relatively new term within the industry. Yeah, it's uh, not only a new role, as you say, within Roche, but it's also a new role within pharma. So Roche, as first pharma company, stepped away from the dual principle of having a medical representative being an MSL and also having a commercial uh, representative. So they created a new role being the patient journey. So I can give you the the summary or a job description, but I'm going to give you a more personalized uh, <laughs> touch on it uh, and summary. So instead of really going uh, with repetitive mess- messaging uh, to your customer, to your doctor, uh, we are going more uh, with an open mind to a doctor. We start listening to a doctor and look for um, personal or more common needs that we see in the community. And we try to um, make uh, a project with that, come with solutions uh, for the doctor. So it's a more holistic project-wise approach than before uh, really uh, kind of storytelling and and bringing your message. And uh, just at the end, asking a question, can we do anything for you? So now we uh, reversed a little bit uh, this principle, uh, let's say. Fantastic. So it sounds like it's a really KOL-centric approach to really understanding the needs and really having a true collaborative partnership with these um, key opinion leaders or external experts. Yeah, that is what, uh, in fact, we see after the transition that we focus even more on the, the therapy, ther- therapy expert leads, as we call them, or the KOLs. Um, and that is indeed uh, where we find what is the actual need in uh, in the community of experts and within a disease area. So we uh, we yeah we focus a little bit more on that segment of customers. Cool. And when you're talking about having a, a customer centric approach and a KOL centric approach. 
to add as much value as possible and to really understand things that are important to them. What type of pre-call planning do you do before you have a meeting with one of these experts? Well, pre-call planning, as you call it, is yeah key in any engagement. I would say not even for the for an expert engagement. Um, so. Um, what I do is I um, look in my personal notes what I have written down on the last visit, uh, check if there were any follow-up uh, follow actions were needed, and also uh, check any available resource that you can find on, uh, on the doctor, on the site, or the site where the doctor is working on. Uh, at Roche, we are lucky to have a platform where uh, we can find all this information gathered. Uh, but that is an important part. So the preparation of your call. And then, of course, when you go out for a visit, uh, it's very important that you know the goal of your appointment. So you have your study flow quite right. And also that you know which questions you're going to ask and also the insights you would like to capture uh, at that visit. And so when you're doing this pre-call planning, you're looking at maybe, I guess, their publications, if they've posted on Twitter, if they have any upcoming congresses. So all that type of information that is available, either publicly available or, as you said, you use a platform within Roche. Um, so once you have all that information, then you can start developing some questions and really developing the objective of your meeting, which I think is so important as well, not mm -hmm. just for patient journey partners, but also for the KOL, because they need to kind of understand um, what the objective is as well from their point of view. Yeah. And then if we go into a little bit more detail, because a lot of the listeners, um, some of them are medical science liaisons and have a lot of experience. Some of them are aspiring medical science liaisons, so they haven't yet had any experience in front of KOLs or experts. When it comes to asking questions and getting insights, a really practical question, do you take notes in a physical notebook or you want a GDoc if it's a, a Zoom meeting, uh, do you fill in those things during the KOL, KOL meeting or would you complete your notes afterwards? What does it look like for you? Well, I think two options work. Two options are fine. I do think if you're going to take notes, whether it's uh, in written or on a, on your computer, it doesn't really matter, but you need to uh, tell the doctor what you're going to do. Me uh, saying, yeah, sorry, doctor, are you okay with me taking notes? Uh, because otherwise it feels a little bit awkward if you just uh, start to type without informing your, uh, your doctor or your professor. Um, for me personally, um, I don't take notes during the during the call. Uh, I talk with a with a physician like we are equal partners. And uh, I, I don't want to give the doctor the impression that uh, I'm kind of interrogating the doctor. So uh, and even when I started as an MSL, I was a little bit more un unconfident. Let's say you're you're just starting. You see your big expert in front of you. Yeah. I did not take notes in front of uh, the doctor. I always did it immediately after because you have to do it immediately after, not three weeks later because you you. Yeah, you forget the nuances of your interview. Um, I would say that I make one exception is when I go on a consultancy. So if we really going to deep dive with regards to one topic, then I have my questionnaire ready. So the, the professor or doctor in front of me, they know uh, that it is a consultancy round with a lot of questions that are going to be asked. And then I write them down in detail. It also provides me when writing down to ask additional questions uh, when I'm writing that down. So I, I get all the info that I need. So there is one exception for me in a, in a consultancy with a with a professor then i take uh, notes in front of the doctor yeah and i think um it's a really good point 
you made that letting them know that you'll be taking some notes so you don't forget anything and particularly I've been on calls before where people start typing and you can hear them typing as the other person is talking and it's actually not a nice feeling because it feels like every single thing you're being said is being typed out so it's always good to kind of let them know if you are going to take notes that you will be taking notes um, so they're a little bit more comfortable with that and so um, nowadays would you say that your meetings are more remote or face-to-face -face or are they a combination because I know obviously there's been a massive shift um, since COVID. Um... Yeah, there's a good balance between both, I would say. Uh, let's say right after the pandemic, a lot of doctors, they were still open for virtual calls, but in a certain time point, they get fed up with it. And <laughs> they said, I want to see you again. So I think it's, it's kind of rational human behavior. Uh, but today we are on a good balance of, of both, eh? a virtual meeting or a face-to-face -face meeting. Um, I would say to build report, to have a good impact or first impression, I would do a live visit for the first time. If you want to get to learn, uh, to know a little bit more about your customer, your doctor in front of you, and then you will see in the long term, if that is like an urgent call, that is something you need to find out uh, more rapidly, then I always schedule uh, a Zoom or whatever uh, platform yeah. call a virtual meeting. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a really good point as well, that face-to-face -face will always be better for building rapport and particularly for that first meeting where you don't know them at all if you're able to do that in a face-to-face -face setting it is much better it kind of sets the relationship up for a stronger um, foundation do you have any particular tips for developing rapport with um, key opinion leaders oh, the first of all and what I always do and for me it's always very important that well come well prepared uh, you only have one first impression and it sounds a little bit silly but it's true you only have one first impression so for your first meeting really come well uh, come well prepared that the doctor has a, a good sense of what you're heading at what you what you would like to achieve and also feels comfortable in your presence so uh, that is a very important one um I think if you want to have a good relationship in the long term, you have to be considered like equal partners. So please, if you're a young MSL and you step into a room, consider the doctor in front of you as an equal uh, sparring partner uh, for communicating. It's very important. Uh, uh, the doctor feels that as well. Um, what is also important, uh, in my personal opinion, is that you need to deliver what you promise. Not saying, yeah, I will send you, as an example, this article later today, and then two weeks later saying, oh, doctor, I forgot about it. It does not make a good first impression. Um, also, very important, not preach you an article or a presentation that is presented internally. Try to make it challenging for your uh, for your doctor, your professor in front of you, your expert, your key leader. That's yeah, you can challenge him, ask your questions, and you learn from it. Never go into a professor's office and think you're going to educate a professor. No, it's the other way around. So you have the opportunity, you have time granted by a professor. Try to take this opportunity and really listen to what the doctor is going to say to you. And I think by really listening... Yeah, and by really listening to what the doctor is saying as well, you're demonstrating a level of respect which is really important for building rapport. And to your earlier point as well, if you say you're going to send them a paper later that day and then you follow up, that consistency will enable them to trust you more, see that you're accountable and they'll know that you're a reliable partner as well, which is very important for rapport. 
So earlier you mentioned when you do pre-call planning, you think about the questions that you want to ask and the type of insights that you want to get out. How do you come up with these questions when you're doing your pre-call planning? Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting and very important question. As I just said, you, you need to come prepared in a meeting. So you need to have to really the goal of your meeting in mind because active listening, I already touched upon it, is really important when you go to a doctor. And so really listen to what the doctor has, has to say to you. And it seems easier than it is. You really need to try to listen and not be stressed because you have like 10 questions and the doctor is keep, keeps on talking about question one, you have limited time. No, uh, keep your active listening mode on, I would say. Uh, it's very important to capture all the insights the doctor is going to share with you. So don't have a, a tick the box visit with the 10 questions with a short answer. Uh, that's not a good idea. Um, what I do, so I have my, my story flow in mind and I base my question that I'm going to ask uh, to the doctor upon the story flow I have in mind. Uh, easy questions are, dear doctor, do you already know about this? Oh, you did uh, via which, which channel? So you also get a lot of the input where the doctor finds the information uh, so we learn a lot by, by asking really simple uh, to the point questions, so professionally to the point, uh, I would say, so always keep it very professional. And when you're asking the doctor, doctor, did you already know about this? Would you be referencing maybe a new clinical study or an upcoming um, symposium or what might that be? Yeah, uh, or even social media. I, I asked the question uh, deliberately very, very broad. Eh? So uh, did you already hear about the trial? Oh, you did. Where did you hear from it? Was it like uh, on Twitter? If you know your doctor is active on Twitter, then you can ask, oh, is it on Twitter or via LinkedIn? Or did you yeah, did you meet at a symposium or at a congress? So uh, yeah, I ask. And if they don't know about it, it's good eh? uh, if it is your own trial. So. Yeah, it means that you need to advertise a little bit more about it and is yeah. uh, uh, competitive insights. Then you also know that the, the messaging from the competitor is not uh, being well received by a doctor. So it already opens a lot of information that is needed internally to develop uh, a next strategy, I would say. So, uh, yeah, and dare to ask these questions, even though they seem silly in your mind, dare to ask the questions where they get their in info, how they find it, uh, what they do with it, how they interpreted it, because they can say, yeah, I've seen it. And then I immediately ask, and what do you think about it? Because we can think internally they are going to be blown away. But they can also say, yeah, I don't think I don't see a real impact. So, yeah, also ask what the doctor thinks about uh, the data uh, they receive. I think that's brilliant. I think asking open questions is so important. And I hadn't heard before asking where they came across information. And I think it's such a great tip for those people listening, because, as you said, if they talk about, oh, I actually saw it on Twitter, you know that they're more of a digital native and that's how they consume information. But also they might say, oh, well, I used to work with this particular doctor or I saw it at this Congress or I don't know, I was part of the competitor's advisory board and they went through the data there. So you can get some incredible insights from, as you said, a really, really simple question. And using that insight, you can actually use it then in the future to tailor your engagement a little bit more with that particular expert. And I imagine if you ask a question like that to 
all of your different experts, you'll be able to identify trends as well. Is that something that you see? Is there certain questions you would ask to all your experts to see if all of them answer in a similar way to try and pull out if there are some trends among them? Uh, yeah, sure. I have uh, some recurrent questions and that was one of them. Eh? How did you find the information? Where did you find it? But all the questions, yeah, depending on what you would like to achieve, uh, if you would like to have a good segmentation, if it is a new customer in front of you, you yeah, you want a good profiling of your customer in front of you, how you can uh, uh, have a good follow-up at the later stage, but which information the doctor in front of you needs, uh, what is the need of your of your doctor. Uh, so yeah, I have, uh, based upon on the talk, the doctor in front of me, um, I have some uh, some recurrent questions. So that is uh, that is true, yeah. Uh, it's, it's really depending on the customer. Eh? You have other questions for a professor, let's say, you're not going to say, I am not going to say, look at this data. There was a presentation at the Congress. Let's go with it and then start rambling about uh, what you would like to say. No, a professor, they know the trial before you enter the room. But then you have other segments in your customer. And if your customer probably doesn't know about the trial, then you can explain the trial and you link, uh, as an example, some questions to that trial. So to be Better, to, to have a better segmentation afterwards of your customer, having the needs of your customer in place. So my, my questions, they really based upon the profile in front of me, uh, but some, some of them are quite recurrent, yeah. And you talked about if the particular expert isn't aware of the trial, you would go through um, the data with them. And I know sometimes MSLs, and I have been guilty of this in the past as well, can do a bit of data dumping where you're kind of very mm -hmm. excited about a clinical trial and you end yeah. up talking an awful lot and presenting a huge amount of information. Would you always try and present a little bit of information and get their feedback and then present a little bit more? And I guess try and not rush and feel the need to present everything in the one meeting? Yeah, indeed. I yeah, the active listening part is coming back. Eh? I I never go into much or too much detail with the doctor with regards to to clinical data. I rather ask questions that I would like to know from the doctor in front of me than via uh, the other way around. <laughs> Let me rephrase yeah. it. So uh, I think that is that is really important that you that you still are there as an equal partner listening to your doctor eh? because if you just book a visit and you say I need to present the data there in my opinion it's not a good visit you just go to learn after each visit you need to learn something because if you just go to explain something in the long term it won't work you you it won't build a relationship either uh, yeah so yeah I I, I never go too much into into detail uh, unless there is a specific ask for education on a visit of course yeah and I guess that's a great point as well, because if you present a lot of information to someone, they'll only retain a certain amount of it. Whereas if they ask a specific question, they're a lot more likely to retain the answer because they ask that specific question. Mm -hmm. um, how do you navigate trying to secure a follow-up meeting um, with an expert? Um, well, make your uh, appointment, first of all, interesting. So make sure the doctor is is willing to see you again. So that's really important eh? because if you just go there and, and yeah, dump your information as you raised it before, it, it won't work. It will be more challenging to get an, uh, an appointment, a new appointment, let's say. Uh, and it's not because you work uh, for a big company that the doctor 
actually wants to see your back as some, sometimes the doctor do find the, the knowledge or the information via other sources so make sure that the doctor is interesting intrigued by your visit so that is really important uh, to start with and then at the end of a visit i always ask uh, if the doctor had any questions what the he or she thought about the visit and i immediately ask would it suit you to make a next appointment let's say within six months after Congress X or Y, uh, as an example, or when you expect a new data readout, you can say, uh, would it suit your agenda that we meet for another 30 minutes to have a deep dive around a subpopulation or a post-Congress or uh, whatever you can think of. So already ask the question, and then if you ask for the appointment via mail to have it confirmed at the agenda of the meeting, so the purpose of your meeting. and. In my in my case, it it works. So uh, most of the time, I get an, uh, a pretty fast reply. So I think these these two elements make it uh, make it work. Yeah. So and that makes sense when you're adding value, you're building that rapport by active listening, and then you have a reason for a follow up as well. You know, there's new um, post hoc analysis or phase three data, or maybe potentially they're also going to ASCO or ESMO so you can meet them there as well because you'll both be there in person. So always an opportunity to continue developing that rapport and building that relationship with them. Um, Sasha, thank you so much for your time today and all your detailed and nuanced insights. Uh, wonderful conversation and I feel like people are going to get a lot out of it. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure.